Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today's a great day. And uh, so I want to, I want to just, I got one scripture today, just one passage of scripture that, and then I'm just going to tell you, well, just let me take you to the, let me take you to the passage of scripture. I want to show you something on scripture, if you put that on the screen for us in the back. I remember the days of old. How many of you, how many of you know that the scripture reminds us over and over and over again to remember. Everybody say remember. You know why the scripture always tells us to remember? Is because we forget. And you gotta go back sometimes before you can move forward, you gotta go back and you gotta remember the things of old. I always loved, and I did a study one time on David, who was always one of my favorite Bible characters because I I think David resembles all of us. You know, he's got these massive mistakes that he makes in his life. He gets, commits adultery, and then he comes back from that murder. And, you know, he's kind of up and down. And you read the book of Psalms, you hear his heart praying out to God. He's one of my favorite. And, of course, we know David began as a shepherd. And when you're a shepherd, when you became old enough, when you became a man and your own shepherd, they gave you your staff. And then... It was customary in biblical days that you would take the staff and you would start at the bottom as a young man and you would carve at the bottom of your staff milestone events that happened in your life where God showed himself strong on your behalf. So when David, could you imagine David's staff that he received when he became a man to be a shepherd? I bet on the bottom of his staff he had a lion that he carved at the bottom. Because one day he killed a lion. And then one day he put a bear on there. Because one day he killed a bear. And so he would write the milestones where God intervened in his life. And then one day he would write Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the rod and the staff, they comfort me. What was he saying? I remember the days of old and how God was always faithful to me and because he was faithful to me then, he'll be faithful to me again. Are y'all hearing me? So can I put my scripture back up again? I remember, say I remember. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about, think about what you've done. Probably about 12 years ago, I went through the darkest season of my life. I, I went through a, I, now I know what it was. It was a, a demonic attack, but I went through a massive depression. Uh, I, I would, uh, I, I doubted whether I was saved. Pastor you, happy pastor you, funny pastor you. I, I, I went through this deep, dark night of the soul. It was about a six month period, 
that I was just down. I, I can remember uh, going to Pastor Jacob, and he's, he's here today. He, the Brown Bishop is here. Pastor Jacob, would you wave at everybody right there? He's right there. He's gonna, you're gonna hear him in a minute. And Pastor Jacob would confess things over me. He'd call me, how are you doing today, man of God? You're a man of God. You're called by God. God's got his hand on your life. You're anointed by the Lord. And I'd say, whatever. I mean, I was just down. I was so down, I would drive down the road and I would hope someone would crash into me. Just to take, I'd say things like, Heidi would be better without me. She'll marry a rich guy. And I mean, I was just down, doubted my calling. And, and <laughs> thank you, Heidi. Heidi would speak over me, pray over me every night. She would say, you're a man of God. God's hands on your life. She read scripture over me. I didn't even know if I was saved. I didn't know if I was called. And, and thank God for Pastor Jacob and Michelle. This really is a spiritual family because if I was a hireling, they would have fired me. But because I'm a son, they put their arms around us. Aren't you glad you're in a family that doesn't kick you out and says, no, no, come on in a little closer. I didn't know, and there's always something on the other side of your greatest attack. You just gotta keep walking, and I, I grabbed my staff, and I remembered and pondered the things of old. And we kept walking out of that, and I don't know when the lights came back on, they didn't just flip back on. They, it just got a little bit brighter every day as we just kept walking. And then one day I got up and went, I'm good. And just about that time, Tommy Badon grabs me. Right. Tommy's sitting right up there. Tommy, Susan, would you please stand? Stand up for just for a second. Yes, do what you're called to do, man of God. Submit. <laughs> Tommy and Susan had relocated to, they were part of our Savior's church. They relocated up here. They started a small group. And Tommy's a coach. And if you know Tommy, Tommy's one of those no-nonsense, everything's, you know, everything's intense. He's a coach. And he says, hey, we got this small group. It keeps growing up here in Opelousas. We need a church up here. We need a church. We need to, we need to start a campus in Opelousas. Heidi and I are living in Lafayette, and, and we got two campuses going, Broussard and Lafayette. And I go tell Pastor Jacob. I go, hey, Pastor Jacob, Badon is up there in Opelousas saying they got a big, big, small group going, and they want a campus up there. What do you mean to tell him? And for those who don't know Pastor Jacob, he rides a fast horse. Like he's always on the move. And so I think we're walking somewhere. I go, what do you mean tell him? He goes, just tell him if that small group would come to Lafayette, serve for a year, tell him we'll start something in a year. And I went, okay, got it. And I told him that. Next Sunday, here comes that whole small group at the Lafayette campus and begin to serve. Six months go by. We haven't even thought about Opelousas. We forgot about it. And Badon comes to me again. Six months, what are we doing? What are we, what are we, what are we doing? We need a campus up there. I go back to Pastor Jacob. I go, hey, six months. What, what are we gonna do? Of course, Pastor Jacob, walking fast again, goes, you and Heidi take over that small group. Get a launch team together. Get something started. We'll figure it out as we go. That's Pastor Jacob. We build a plane in the air. We start flying, and then we figure it out. So Heidi and I grab, the, we, we go up there. We take over their small group. They're like, okay. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Just so you picture it, their small group was about 25 adults and 724 kids. 
they would do this. They would lock the door, kick all the kids out, throw pizza on the porch, lock it, and say, don't knock on the door unless someone's bleeding, and left the kids out there. I can remember one, 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 one meeting. Susan Badon goes to the door, the kid's crying. She goes, are you bleeding? You're not bleeding. And locked the door back. And I went, nursery coordinator is not in her future. I can remember sitting there, we talked about getting a campus started. Who's gonna do what? How are we gonna do it? We gotta find property. All these kind, where are we gonna meet? All these kinds of things. And I remember one Sunday night, they said, well, we, we decided, I think they were in cahoots. One Sunday, we gathered there, they go, we, we want you and Heidi to be our pastors. And we looked over and went, that ain't happening. That will never happen. And during the process of finding property, God began to stir in our hearts that we were supposed to move to Opelousas. Who moves to Opelousas? Of course, you know, we started. We started at WCA on Sunday night. We stood up and I just echoed my pastor's vision. We're going to come to a community like this that was racially divided and we're going to build a church that tears down pride, prejudice, and poverty. We don't care what color you are, rich or poor, black, white, doesn't matter. Uh, you've heard me say it a million times, I don't care what flag you fly. As long as you flag the, fly the flag of Jesus higher, Catholic, Baptist, as long as Jesus is on top, it really doesn't matter. And we started, I remember Sam and Kim George, we had a, we had a, I, I would say, look, if you're white, a little church about this size right here, if you're white, and everybody was white. If you're white, this may not be your church. If you're white, you don't like black folks, this ain't your church. If you're black and you don't like white folks, this ain't your church. And then one Sunday night, Sam and Kim George walked in, sat down, first African-American family from this community walked and sat down. Oh, we... We took him to lunch afterwards. Oh, I took him to lunch. Heidi and I took the G6. That's what they call their family. We took the G6 to lunch, and I sat across, Sam being a sports star here in town. Everybody knew Sam and Kim. And I just said, hey, here's the deal. I need your influence. You'll give me credibility where I don't have credibility. If you'll join with us, well, let's go build something to tear down pride, prejudice, and poverty. Sam, you can't do it by yourself. Though you know it needs to be torn down. We can't do it by ourselves, though it needs to be torn down. But if both of us put our hand on that same wall and start pulling from what side we're on and start coming together in Jesus' name for something higher and more powerful, I said, you and I could loan and leverage each other's influence, and I'll put you in front of people and give you influence that you never would have had influence to, but you're gonna put me in front of people and have influence I would never have credibility with. <laughs> Sam, Kim Joy. And Sam, y'all, those who know Sam, y'all can hear Sam right now. He goes, that sound real good, Hoss. I'm in. And that day, we began to watch God begin to turn in our community, that there was a place. And we started Delta Grand Theater. Any of y'all remember Delta Grand days? Oh, that, that old theater where you represented black folks had to sit at the top. 
white folks got to sit at the bottom in the movie theater. One Sunday there, a white man came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor you, I used to sit in this theater as a child and the black people would sit up top and they would throw candy and ice cubes down on top of our heads while we were watching the movie. After service, one of our black gentlemen came up to me and said, Pastor you, I used to sit up there as a kid and I would throw candy and ice down on the white people down below. And I said, come here with me. We're gonna start race reconciliation right now. We're gonna get this together in Jesus' name. And then we moved over to the Civic Center. Y'all remember that? Oh, the Civic Center setting up and breaking down every single Sunday. Can you put your hands together for those men and women who went through that every single week? One pack Sunday, we were walking out. We were looking for other places. Where could we find a permanent home? And one Sunday, we walked out, and Danny Jackson, if those who don't know Danny Jackson, he's a, a brother from another mother. He's six foot seven, got a big old Samuel L. Jackson voice on him. He's intimidating. He's no nonsense, strictly business. And one day he caught me in the parking lot and, yep, six, seven. Pastor you. <laughs> yes, Danny. <laughs> he said, why are you always trying to find some other old building somewhere? He said, can I tell you something? What, Danny? White people and black people have never built anything together in this town. He said, if you're serious about us tearing down pride, prejudice, and poverty, if you're serious about it, black folks and white folks need to put their hands and sacrifice together and build together. If you wanna tear it down, we need to do something together. You need to find some property and let's go build a building together. I called Pastor Jacob that day on the way home from church. So Danny Jackson just said this to me. And of course, Pastor Jacob, whew, whew, whew. Man of God, that's the word of the Lord. Find me a piece, find us a piece of property. And I drove by and found this piece. I called Pastor, I found the piece. He said, I'm coming. He drives up, pulls up here, gets out the car. First words out of his mouth, not hello, not how are you doing, not how big is this. He just said, there's gold in the dirt. There's gold in the dirt. And many of you know that was a process of trying to get this property and man, we, we found the owner and we agreed to a $3 million deal, 132 acres right here on I-49, got our own exit, amazing, and we shook hands, Mr. Perry Judice, for $3 million. Then about a week goes by and I got the word that he backing out the deal because a big national organization came in and offered him five. Why am I telling you this? Can you put my scripture back up in the back, please? Remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you've done. 
Remembering the past gives you faith for your future. You gotta look back before you move forward. And so we got this, we sitting on, we, we didn't know what we were gonna do. He, so he shook my hand, I called him. Perry Judish, you shook my hand. I know, but pastor, I mean, they offered five million, you only offered three million. I mean, what, I mean, what would you do? You shook my hand. His daughter started coming to the church. She started whispering to him, Daddy. She called me one day because he had woke, he had sat in bed in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit was messing with him. How many of you have ever had a night like that where you're laying in bed and the Holy Spirit won't let you sleep? And he's laying in bed and she remembers the day he got up and said, I'm selling it to the church. I don't know what your word is worth, but I know what Perry Judice's word is worth. It's worth $2 million is what his word. Can you put your hands together? Perry's not here today, but I want you to put your hands together for him. Many of you know Perry. When you see him, just go up there and hug on him. And he's gonna say, what are you doing that for? He's like, because I go to our Savior's church. And we got the property, got the building. And I, I remember just about the time we were getting ready to get inside of this building, there was a young couple that was leading our Midtown campus. And he went through the dark season of the soul. I, I remember going to see Pastor Nick. I, 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 real quickly, I, I took my phone and I wrote down 42 different things of what the dark season was like. And I met him at a coffee shop. And I went, are you doubting your call? Yes. Are you doubting your salvation? Yes. Are you laying in bed at night and you can't sleep though you're tired? Yes. Is the insides racing where you can't even, do you, you're forgetting everything? Yes, yes. And he just went down the list. Yes, 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 yes. Good. Looks like God's got big plans for you, bro. And Heidi and I, we're, we're, he's going through that and had to step down for a sabbatical for a season. Our intentions were always to put them back at Midtown. And one day, I'm driving on the frontage road right here. We're, the building's about to get rolling. I mean, we're about to get in and we're driving down and Pastor Jacob calls me. Pastor, you where you at? Right here in front of the church. He goes, I got an idea. What about us sending Nick and Rachel to Opelousas to walk with y'all. Y'all walk through this, help them get back up on their feet again, and then, then we'll figure out what to do with them after that. Y'all could use the help. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, the answer is yes, send them. How many of you think God passed, that the Lord sent Pastor Nick and Pastor Rachel? I'm telling you, I, we've had to travel a little bit to New Iberia to assist over there, and y'all text, I talked to one day, one day, he goes, Pastor, you just don't be offended by this. You've always been my favorite preacher. But Pastor Nick. <laughs> I go, I know I'm number two now, aren't I? That's all right. You ain't offended me. 
about 18 months ago, I was praying. Just praying. And I've heard the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. A new assignment is coming to you. I laugh. A new assignment is coming to you. I went home that day, told Heidi, I said, baby, I really sense the Holy Spirit say something to me. A new assignment is coming to us. She goes, what, is that me? I go, I don't know. That's all he said. A new assignment. Well, I wonder what that means. We just, let's just sit on it. Let's see if God affirms it, confirms it, reaffirms it. You know, you got to do that sometimes. Sometimes you, you might miss it. And if it's God, he, he knows how long it will take for you to finally get it. So he starts, he backs up and starts talking to you so you'll know it when you really need to know it. Right? Some of you, I've been talking to you for two years and finally you got it. You just slow. And so he began to say that to us. New assignment. Heidi would come back. I think the Lord just whispered something to me. It's about a new assignment. New assignment. New assignment. New assignment. About one year goes by. Maybe a little longer. And Pastor Jacob calls us during the height of the COVID season. He goes, man of God, what you doing? Oh, just chasing Heidi around the house. <laughs> Did you catch her? No, she fast. He goes, uh, I want you, to, you and Heidi to pray about something. Sure, what you got? I want you to pray about a new assignment. And I just laughed. He said, why are you laughing? I said, the Holy Spirit told us that a year ago that a new assignment was going to be coming to us. Somebody clapping. <laughs> Didn't know what that meant. Didn't know, Pastor Jacob asked, he said, would you and Heidi take a step up from what your current role is? Would y'all just take a step up and help us start really pastoring our pastors of our campuses? Would y'all do that to free y'all up some so that you'll have the margin to start speaking some at our other campuses? To, we need to uh, get a little bit of y'all's influence into the other campuses. I said, we'll pray about it. A couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, Pastor Nick and Rachel come. Can we see y'all? Sure, come on out. And sit down and Nick's 43, 43? 42, almost 43. And comes, sits down, and goes, I, I, I feel like there's something in me. I just want to Maybe, maybe Rachel and I are supposed to go start a church somewhere. Maybe we're supposed to go somewhere. And Rachel's mom and dad are here, John and Vicki, and they're from Alabama. Don't count, don't count that against them. Maybe, and Mick and Rachel, maybe we're gonna go to Alabama and start a church. How many of you know Alabama needs to be saved? And I said, I want to give y'all something else to pray about. Heidi and I have a new assignment that's coming to us. And would y'all pray about maybe us step into a new role here at Our Saviors, and then y'all take a step up into a brand new role. You've walked through 
the valley and you've come to the other side and for us, there'd be nobody that we would want more to be a part of this work, to continue it and to lead it into the future. Heidi and I would take a step up to be overseers of the, look, this is our home. This is our church. If you, if you just dropped us off in America and said you could live anywhere and want to go to whatever church you would want to go to, we'd find our way to Opelousas, Louisiana, sit right here, lift our hands with you, worship together with you. This is our home. So with that, maybe Pastor Jacob, I'd like to invite him to come, put a little more of the details on it, but I want y'all to know that we are stepping into a transition time today and we are so grateful and thankful. Can we give God all the praise Lord? Pastor Jacob. How many of you love Pastor? Come on, let Pastor Eugene know how much you love him. Appreciate him. Okay, sit down. We don't want him to get proud. <laughs> it is, it, it's such a joy to see all that God has done and continues to do here. I'm good. You, thank you. Um, I'm so grateful for all that God has done with Pastor Eugene and Heidi and now Pastor Nick and Rachel. Because every one of God's story is a story within a story. So before I leave and get to where we're going, let me just tell you this, because I know everyone keeps asking this question. Where is Pastor Eugene going? Look right here. Nowhere. Nowhere. He and Heidi are going to build on their 90 acres and get chickens and pigs and frogs and dogs and other things like that. They'll still be regularly preaching here. I think the first schedule is going to be Pastor Nick will preach two weeks and Pastor Eugene will preach one week. And every now and then they'll let a Mexican from somewhere <laughs> preach here. So he isn't going anywhere. That's number one. Hopefully that makes you happy. Some of y'all look like y'all are going, really? We are, we are so incredibly grateful that God has every story, just like Pastor Eugene. And I, because you hear the story of how he got here. Do you know how I met Pastor Eugene? I was preaching at a youth camp, how many years ago? 31 years, 32 years ago. 32 years ago. No, 34 years ago. He wasn't married. He was in Bible college representing his college. And after the end of a week's meeting, he walked up to me and he goes, I don't know who you are, but I want to be connected to you. And would you be my pastor? Jacob Jr. is now 37, was six, years, six months old. And we began walking with them in a journey building our lives together. Because that's the story within the story. Until finally 20 years ago when Michelle and I were just planting and the Broussard campus, right between St. Martinville and Broussard, and, and we called them and said, would you come and join us? And, and they agreed to come from leaving a work they'd planted to come and join us. But even before that, I always ministered to people in our area as an evangelist. I was traveling all over, but was based out of here, out of Lafayette and Acadiana. And I had the privilege of meeting Pastor Nick's mother and father. They were related to a man who was financially supporting me 
And it was in a moment in their lives, I had the opportunity to lead Pastor Nick's daddy to the Lord. (laughs) The transformation was so incredible in his life that he went and he shared with his son, Nick, who was a rebellious teenager. (laughs) He would run in all across Acadiana, the keg, Grand Street. (laughs) and other streets that we won't grant you the name of. And there, after he saw what God did in his father's life, God changed his life, and he went to an internship program there at the church called Master's Commission, ended up moving from there with the director to Alabama, at which point he discovered Rachel. Now fast forward to movie 12 years, almost 13 years ago, we just opened up the Lafayette campus and uh, the Carols, who were planted in another church, when, when, when I led them to Christ, I wasn't even a pastor of a church, and, and, and Miss um, Carol came to Linda, one, one of our women's meetings, or some night meeting, and she was leaving, and I said, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. She said, well, I'm doing good. I said, well, what's Nick doing? She said, oh, he and Rachel, they're in, they're in Alabama. I said, we want him to come here. We need a campus pastor. Do you know how many times I'd heard him preach? Zero. Thank God he could preach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and so, so she, from that conversation, went and told him, I get a call back. We, we, we end up talking on the phone. We end up going and we're at a conference in Alabama. He comes over and he meets us and it looks like he agrees to come. We're driving back from the conference, Pastor Eugene and I, Heidi and Michelle, we're driving back and when we get to Baton Rouge, he calls me and tells me that he's not coming. Two days later, he called back and said, my wife just told me I'm afraid I'm supposed to come. (laughs) And that's how he came to Lafayette. Back home again. All of that is a story within a story within a story, Mm. all showing us God's amazing faithfulness. God's amazing faithfulness. Today, I know that no one could possibly love Pastor Eugene and Heidi more than you do. It's hard to believe that 12 years ago or 10 years ago, many of you didn't even know Pastor Eugene and Heidi. You you didn't even know them before they moved into gangster paradise where they were living. (laughs) Nobody knew that every African-American woman in here would be coveting Heidi's hair. (laughs) And yet, all the while, God was preparing them for you. And just that same way, we, none of us knew, but Pastor Nick, and Rachel, what God would do in their lives to bring them to you. Because Pastor Eugene and I are very well aware of one thing. Our job is not to make sure that you have a pastor for today. It's to make sure you have a pastor for the next 20 or 30 years to raise your children, your grandchildren, and to minister to you and to feed you the word of God. So we are so incredibly grateful. And I'm so proud of you and the sacrifices you've made 
when I bring people here, I brought someone here the other day and brought them in this building, matter of fact, captain of the sheriff's department. We're now broadcasting in, in all, the, all the correctional facilities in Lafayette. And when I brought him here, he just looked around. He goes, this is just, how did y'all do this? And I got a chance to brag on you and all that God has done here and to tell them that we built the nicest building that cost the most for the poorest area that we serve because of you and because of Pastor Eugene and Heidi and their sacrifice and your obedience to God. So with that, I want to invite Pastor Nick and Rachel up. Would you welcome your new campus pastors? Come on, Pastor, Pastor Nick and Rachel Carroll. The people that I love the most are in this room right now. And uh, I said I wasn't going to get emotional. I lied to myself. <laughs> that is a true statement. The people that I love the most are in this room. My mom and dad, been good parents to me. John and Vicki Daniel, my in-laws, have been amazing. I have great examples. Pastor Jacob has always saw something inside of me that I never saw myself. From 11 years ago when we moved here. Thank you, Pastor Jacob. And Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi, I told them this this week, they're the most therapeutic people on the planet. <laughs> and the last two years we have, we have grown more, healed more, been loved more than we ever had in our life. And I really do mean that the people that I love the most are in this room. Pastor Daniel Kelly is on the front row when we went through a season, like Pastor Eugene described, I get a call from this man every week, just praying over me, tell me I was gonna make it. But then there's a bunch of other people in here who I didn't even know two years ago who have now become my favorite people. And that's you. And this journey has been amazing. We, we, we came here two years ago not knowing what God had in store for us. And you know my life verse has always been Romans 8, 28. That God will work out. He will work it out. He works all things for good. The good things, the bad things, the things that you don't understand, the things that you don't comprehend, He'll, he'll work them out. In the end, it's going to be good. And if it's not good yet, that simply means it's not the end yet. We, we had no idea what, what God was going to do in us. And we came here broken and damaged, just searching. And God gave us a gift in Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that Paul talks about. He says that there are treasures in earthen vessels. The greatest treasures in this life, it's not something you can spend, it's not something you live in, it's not something you drive. The greatest treasures in this life have skin. They speak life over you. And that's what they've been to us for the past two years. They've been a treasure to us. Not just to us, but we got to see they've been a treasure to you. They've been a treasure to this community. They've been a treasure to this congregation. They've been a treasure to our staff. 
And I just want to do this really quick. If, if they have made an investment in you and your life has been changed by the better, by the words they've said, the things they've said, the message they've preached, the times they've been there for you or your family, the weddings, the funerals, the hospitals, if your life has been bettered by them, would you stand to your feet right now and just help us honor Pastor Eugene and Miss Heidi? If you're standing, here's what I want you to do. They are treasures in earthen vessels. You can just lay that right there. Every treasure needs a treasure chest. And we've, the word has kind of gotten out about today. And there's been dozens of people who have already put their heart into words and letters and cards and gift cards. And we're going to get, we want to give you the opportunity to do the same thing for the next two weeks. They're leaving tomorrow. They're going to go and be on vacation. But we're going to ask you to do the same thing. They deserve a vacation. <laughs> they deserve a vacation. Um, but if you would do this for us, if you would write down what they've meant to you, if you would bless them, we're going to have this here for the next couple of weeks. And we want to give you all this treasure, Jess, Thanks, so you can really see the treasure that you've been to every person in this room. And then for Rachel and I, our desire would simply be to become that. It says treasures and earthen vessels. All we want to be is God's vessel. We want God to use us in your life, to speak into your life. We want to be God's vessel in this community. And so we're so grateful. We are scared to death, but we are grateful and it will be our joy to step in and be the pastors at the Opelousas campus. Thank you very much. Stay standing. Come on up. Come right up here, Pastor Nick, Rachel. Bryant, would you come? Our elders right here, would you come? Pastor Kelly, you come. Come on up. We want to lay hands on Pastor Nick and Rachel. Stay standing. And we want you to extend your hands towards them. It's such a joy to have their parents here with us as well. So y'all guys, come on up. And I'm going to take the privilege of praying for them and installing them as the pastors today, along with our elders and Pastor Daniel Kelly from a church on Simcoe. This is the church. He pastors the church, Harvest Church, that y'all just paid off and we gave to him. So Father, today, right now, in the name of Jesus, we lay hands upon Nick and Rachel Carroll. We thank you that your word says, even as he quoted, that this treasure is in earthen vessels. Your word says, blessed are the feet of them that bring good news. So today, we anoint their feet for all of St. Landry Parish. We anoint it to reach into new areas, to plant new works, to reach new communities. Lord, to break pride, poverty, and prejudice, and to continue to see the kingdom of heaven advanced. We pray for Rachel as you give her anointing. She's been a sister, and Lord, she's been a mother to her own children, but now you are going to make her and establish her as a mother in this house. And together, you're going to use them to continue to fulfill your purposes and answer your prayer, Jesus, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And that becomes their mandate. And Lord, from this house will not only come a community that's reached, but other churches planted and other people reached and across this entire region. 
Today we unite together with their parents and grandparents on both sides, their prayers, and Lord, we commission them to fulfill the very mandate that you had before the foundations of the world. For your word declares in Ephesians 2.10 that we are your workmanship recreated in Christ to do good work which you prepared in advance for them. And today in the name of Jesus, as we lay hands upon their head and upon their feet, we ordain them to being the campus pastors here and to reach this region from this point on to the othermost parts of the earth. And we do this in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give Him a big hand. I'm almost free at last. No, I'm just, <laughs> with every, uh, I just want to just, I'm, again, Heidi and I aren't going anywhere. A couple weeks we'll be back here preaching. So it's not like, this is not a subtraction. It's an addition. Can we give God all the praise, all the glory, all the honor? All the honor. Would you just bow your heads with me wherever you are? You go, I just came here today and I was ready to hear a preaching message. You just did. You, you saw the story of God. And you've got a story too. And God's in it. Maybe you came here today. You're far from God. You're far from God. Maybe today's part of that story. And you might be here today and you are lost and you have just going, I'm so far from God, Pastor Eugene. I got a word for you. He's not mad at you. He came here today to save you. J Jesus said this in John chapter three, a man can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until he's been born again. You gotta be born again. And you go, Pastor, you, how do you do that? It's real simple. It's as easy as A, B, and C. A, admit that you're a sinner. You're standing in a room full of professional sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can I get a witness? B, believe that Jesus came, lived a sinless life to pay the price, to, to give his life on a cross for you to take your sin, your guilt, and your shame, and he died for it. He paid your sin penalty. He paid my sin penalty. That's, believe that. And then see, confess him as Lord and Savior. That just means surrender to him. Let him take the lead of your life. Let him whisper to you what your next step is and obey. And maybe today you're ready to do that. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift your hand up all over this building? I wanna pray for you right now. I see your hands are going up all over the building. Say, I want to be born again. Would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me to pay for my sin. Thank you that he rose again from the dead so I didn't have to die to give me a purpose on earth and to give me a place in heaven. So today, Lord, I surrender to you in Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise for that?